The Smithfield Murder, a short story from Bowman's Casebook by Richard James. Part 6. Inspector Bowman questions the market manager, Arthur Boothby. The man's not worth the bother, proclaimed Arthur Boothby, his flat northern vowels all the broader in his passion. The market's better off without him. He was murdered, Mr Boothby. Bowman sounded an exasperated note, and violently at that. He stood opposite the market manager in his office, high above the trading floor. Below them, the public had at last been allowed to enter, and they flooded in as if a dam had burst. They spilled into every corner with a bustling, eager activity. The inspector had surprised Sergeant Graves with his sudden insistence that the market be opened, but Bowman was formulating a plan. In order for it to work, each butcher would have to sell his wares today, in order that another delivery would be made that night. He was pleased to see from his vantage that trading was brisk. To his left, a parade of sheep was fetching a good price at auction. To his right, Oshihi was haggling with his customer over a consignment of beef. For the Savoy, no less, remarked Boothby, joining Bowman at the window. They do their business with us and us only. They're renowned for their beef, as you may know, Inspector. Boothby knew the menu at the Savoy would be well out of reach of a detective's salary. Well, that beef comes from our market, and the commission doesn't arm neither, he winked. Did you make much progress on the floor? I did, Bowman lied. He was never one to show his hand, especially if he was lacking in the crucial cards. Mr Boothby, could you assure me you were at the Bishop's Finger last night? I can that. I went for a drink with some of the men. I go back years with O'Shee and his boy, I, and some others too. We make a point of drinking together once in a while. He narrowed his eyes. Is that a crime, Inspector? Bowman took the time to look around the office. A large ostentatious desk was set against a far wall, laden with piles and sheaves of paper. A battered leather chair stood behind, its upholstery torn and tattered. This was the only furniture, save a simple wooden chair for visitors and three sets of shelves that groaned under the weight of boxes and files stuffed to bursting with yet more paper. Windows at either side gave out to the market. As Boothby stood at the centre of the room, his eyes darting occasionally to the traders as they went about their business below, he looked to Bowman like nothing less than a spider at the centre of its web. Bowman was sure the man was alive to every quiver on every thread, perhaps with an intent just as deadly. He slammed the ledger down on the table by way of a response. Two or three papers fluttered to the floor. Boothby's eyebrows twitched in agitation. You are thorough in your bookkeeping, Mr Boothby. Bowman looked directly at the man, watching for any signs of hesitation. That I am, Inspector, Boothby sighed. He spoke slowly and deliberately, as if for the benefit of an elderly relative, there's men down there that rely upon it. You collect the rent each week. I do. Bowman nodded, leafing through the pages of the ledger until he reached the list of names he'd noticed in the bishop's finger. What does this table represent, Mr Boothby? he asked simply. Boothby snorted. Could a Scotland Yarder be so devoid of nous? That is the table of payments, Inspector. You'll see from there that every man must be paid on a Friday. And are they all up to date? They are. Boothby had folded his arms across his not insubstantial chest. 
Could you tell me why Solomon Hippert ceased paying his rent in September of last year, yet you allowed him to continue at your market? The silence was palpable. Bowman felt he could reach out into the room and touch it. Arthur Boothby cleared his throat. Bowman knew he was buying time. Well, Inspector, I see you have the better of me. Hibbert's row in the table was originally blank from September 21st, Bowman continued. Yet you went back and filled in those spaces with another ink, which you started using in November. Boothby's eyes were darting about him. He had the demeanour of a trapped man. Why? Boothby was tight-lipped. The inspector ploughed on. He'd not paid his rent in nine weeks, Mr Boothby. In fact, I would venture that he had not paid his rent from that day to this. How could you countenance such a thing? Boothby stood swaying slowly on his feet. With a slow, deliberate movement, he loped towards his chair and flung his weight upon it. I'm a charitable man, Inspector Bowman. You're right about the rent. Hibbert hadn't paid me since September. I altered the ledger to save myself. If the other traders twigged he'd been getting his stall gratis, they'd be all over me like flies at a window. Truth be told, I was on the point of throwing him out. Enough is enough, Inspector Bowman, and Hibbert had been tweaking me by the nose for too long. He was a scoundrel and a drunk, and I let him take advantage of my better nature. Boothby tried his best to affect a pious air. I knew he was poor. He'd drunk his money away and scarcely had enough to pay his boy. Bowman knew he was lying. Mrs. Hibbert's dress and collection of trinkets, let alone the box of money beneath her hearth, spoke of a wealthier man than Boothby was painting. I dare say he owed money elsewhere, too, and it was that that got him fettled. The sudden tilt in Bowman's head was almost imperceptible. Fettled, he echoed back, raising an eyebrow. Boothby laughed. Fixed, inspector, sorted. It's a hang-up from the old country. I've lived in London almost thirty years, yet still I'm drawn to the northern way of things. Ibbert was fettled, sorted, good and proper. The men I interviewed this morning spoke of having a drink to fettle them after a day at the market. Boothby's eyes glittered in defiance. So? Why would they say such a thing? Unless they'd been schooled to say so. There was a pause, as Boothby considered what next to do. I'm a busy man, Inspector, he began, rising to his feet, as I expect you are. If you're done with your questions, I'd rather get to work. There is, after all, a market to run. Boothby gestured to the crowds out the window. Of course. Bowman placed his hat back on his head and straightened his coat about him. It was clear he'd get no more from Boothby. As he descended the steps from the manager's office, he mulled their conversation over in his mind. Boothby was hiding something. That much was certain. Why did Hibbert refuse to pay his rent, though he had money enough? How to explain where his money came from? Frustratingly, his short interview with Arthur Boothby had furnished him with more questions than answers.